Hi there and welcome to another one of my podcasts. This time it will be rather different. Normally, as you know, I try and put in two comedy items, two jazz and two opera. But this time I'm going to pay tribute to the places that I've just been to. Because on the 2nd of November, I embarked upon what turned out to be quite a gruelling tour. Gruelling because the person who arranged my seats on the 20 trains on which I was booked seemed to delight in putting me at the end of every platform, furthest away from where I arrived, and occasionally even upstairs. And since I was carrying a guitar and a 25 kilo case... And because I've got one or two health problems, this turned out to be a bit of a problem. Nevertheless, I managed to give four concerts, visit friends in various countries. And it's those countries that I'm going to pay tribute to. The first day when I left, that was almost a disaster because it coincided with one of the biggest storms that the UK has had for the last 30 years. I almost managed to arrive after the time when I should have been singing. Indeed, I only made it by about five minutes. It should have been an easy train journey from London to Brussels, but instead of arriving at four, I arrived at 20 to eight. So what can we do to pay tribute to Belgium? The person that always comes to mind, although people think he was French, was the Belgian-born gypsy Jagger Reinhardt. When I was at university all those years ago, I tried my hand at presenting a music show on the university radio system and this track that i'm going to play now was my theme tune as you'll hear the main tune has little gaps in it where i used to say good afternoon and then you'd hear a bit more music and then i'd say something in the next gap and so forth this comes from just about the first recording session that the quintet of the hot club of france recorded in the early 30s and it's Probably one of my favourite Django Reinhardt recordings, even though perhaps it's not one of the most famous ones. It's called Blue Drag, and I commend it highly to you. Here it is. Thank you. 
The second day of my tour turned out to be one of the great nightmare trips of the whole tour. I knew I would be on trains for 17 hours, but it was worse than even I'd predicted. I had to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, which doesn't please me anyway. The train I had to catch in Brussels was just after 8 o'clock. I got to Frankfurt, all right. I got to the next place, which was Regensburg in South Germany. From there, the train was supposed to be a Czech train going to Prague on Platform 4. To cut a long story short, I was told to go to Platform 1 and it wasn't the train I was expecting but a feeder train because the actual train I needed had stopped about 20 minutes away. I have no idea why. We were squashed into this local train. When we got to where the train was, it was a tiny station without any escalators so that I had to go down steps and come up on another platform, all dragging this 25 kilo case. How I did it, I don't know, because as I say, I have one or two health problems at the moment. However, I got to Prague, where I was supposed to get another train to a place called Zlin. Well, there was a train at the appointed time, but it wasn't going to Zlin, it was going to some other place. I couldn't see Zlin mentioned on any of the stations. It turned out that when we got to the end of the route of this train, there was another little train going to Zlin. Zlin station itself is on a sort of spur line and is such a small station that I've never seen this before. It has no platform. And when we arrived, you literally dropped down about a yard onto literally earth. And we walked the last five or ten metres to the outside of the station where happily the airbnb people very kindly picked me up in their car i would never have found where i was staying otherwise one of the nice things about staying there was they had a 14 year old dog called maggie who took a shine to me and she was very sweet the concert in zlin went very well and so my memories of zlin which is a little town inside the czech republic will always be good that's if i don't return there at some point. So, who represents the Czech Republic for me? The only name that comes to mind is the great dramatic soprano, Amy Destin. She was born in 1878 and survived till 1930 when she died of a stroke at the age of only 52. She was born Emily Pavlina Kitlova and she changed her name to Destin because she was taught to sing by somebody called Maria von Dreger Destin. And she used the end of that lady's name as her professional name, as a tribute to her for the rest of her career. And the career was considerable. 
She was very much a dramatic soprano and could undertake roles from the lighter Wagner parts through Carmen, which was a big success for her. I understand probably mostly in German, but when she went to America, having already sung in London with Caruso in roles such as Madame Butterfly, she got chosen to literally create the role of Minnie in Puccini's last great opera, ignoring the Tritico, and of course the unfinished Turandot, which was, in English, The Girl of the Golden West, La Fanciula del West. Soon after this, in around 1914, she made her only recording with Caruso, which was of a completely different opera uh, by a Brazilian composer called Gomez. But that almost marked the end of her career because World War I came along and she came from the Czech Republic, which then was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which made her an enemy. And that was literally the end of her career, although she did make an attempt to return in, in 1919, but by then her voice wasn't what it had been, and there are certainly no recordings of her after that. As I said, she was very much renowned for her performance in Madame Butterfly. One thinks of Madame Butterfly as a rather delicate creature, but in actual fact the music is quite heavy and difficult to sing. Emmy Destin's voice was not that of a fragile butterfly, but much bigger, so this is quite an unusual way of singing Un Beldi, which is the aria I'm going to give you. She must have been a pretty good actress as well as singer, because her reviews say so. Her vocal technique was very German, I think, in the way she produces her notes, and she's probably not my favourite soprano, good though she was. This recording dates from 1911. Incidentally, the very first time, at the age of about six or seven, when I went down Portobello Road Market to buy some operatic 78s, if I could find them, for sixpence each, I found a bundle of half a dozen 12-inch operatic records, absolutely caked in muck. But I bought them and brought them home, and having cleaned them off, discovered that they were in wonderful condition. One of these records was an Emmy Destin, so the voice of Emmy Destin is one of the first I ever heard on 78s. One legend about her was that she used to like to have sex with somebody in her dressing room before going on stage. Apparently this helped her, she said, in some way, I'm not quite sure how, to give a better performance. Be that as it may, this is Emmy Destin singing Un Beldi, recorded in 1911.
Well, the train from Zlin to Vienna turned out to be a nice, easy journey, and I was picked up by an old friend, and I was delivered to a place where I was staying, which turned out to be pretty palatial. It was the home of a blues pianist who accompanies somebody I know in London. I was expecting a sort of spare room, but I got an entire floor with my own private lift in some amazing house this man lives in. Not only that, but my concert was held in Europe's oldest jazz club. It's called Jazzland. It sort of looks a bit like the cavern that the Beatles started out in, which itself was a jazz club at one point. And uh, all over the walls were plastered photographs of all the great jazz musicians who'd played there. So although it was a Monday, and naturally that means we didn't get as big an audience as we would have done on a Friday or Saturday, it all went very well. The people who run the place seem to like me, so who knows, maybe I'll be back one day on a better day of the week. But I had a lovely time. And I managed to eat a schnitzel there, which is what you have to do when you're in Vienna. So what to do to celebrate Vienna? Well, to me, the first name that comes to mind is the great tenor Richard Tauber, who personifies Vienna. He was a great singer of Schubert and very famous for his singing in operetta. I suppose one of his early hits, the equivalent of Pavarotti's Nessun Dorma, would be his 1928 recording of Wien du Stadt mein Trauma, which means Vienna City of My Dreams. It's a famous song. You'll hear Richard Tauber at the height of his powers. He was born in 1891, I seem to remember, and died in 1948 of lung cancer. But in 1928, he was at the top of his form, and this is a very famous record. So if you don't know it already, I hope that you'll enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Richard Tauber. Ein Lied, 
Now, after Vienna, I had hoped to get a gig in Rome, but nobody really answered the emails that we sent to all the jazz clubs there. But nevertheless, I'd never really seen Rome, so I decided I would stay there, and I managed to find a really cheap hotel, which wasn't anything much to speak of, but it was very near the main station, which was the main thing I needed. To get to Rome from Vienna required four trains. Some of them were long-distance fast trains, and others were funny little trains, for instance, to go over the Brenner Pass to a place called Bolzano, which is in Italy, but I've been there before. It's also called Bolzen and was originally part of Austria, and people still speak German there. However, this time I didn't leave the station, and I got the final train to Rome, arriving pretty late, but managed to check in at this little hotel, where I then passed two nights having a whole day to see Rome, which, to be honest, did not impress me very much, apart from, of course, the ancient Roman remains, which are amazing. I think they would be rather ashamed of today's Rome if you were to bring yesterday's ancient Romans back to have a look at it. However, I then had to move on to Naples, just an hour's travel on a train, so I arrived late morning and was given a place to stay in in the old part of Naples, which it was an amazing sort of flat in a place where the other side of the road was virtually a place where you could hold hands with somebody from the opposing window. That's how narrow the street was. In fact, there was no pavement and road, just a paved area, and you walked down taking your life in your hands because lots of motorbikes would come down there and didn't really slow down. So you had to really watch out. My concert there was only a couple of hundred yards away in a magnificent, really old church, probably dating back 500 years. And it was a fascinating concert for me. I couldn't really speak to anybody because nobody spoke English. So it was very much a music-only concert. And I promised that I would attempt to sing a song Neapolitan at the end, which I did much to everybody's glee. I was very impressed with Naples, as opposed to Rome. I also managed to go and see Caruso's birth house, and I wanted to go and see the new massive Caruso exhibition in the old royal palace, but nobody told me that the exhibition shut at 2pm, so I wasn't able to see it. So then, what can I give you to represent Naples? It would be only too obvious and easy to give you more Caruso but I've given you quite a lot. There was another great tenor that came from Naples, and his name was Fernando de Lucia. And in a way, he's more of a Neapolitan than Caruso. First of all, he lived there pretty much all of his life. Born in 1860, died in 1925, and he made lots of recordings, not only of operatic arias, but of Neapolitan songs. There was a great tradition of sort of song competitions all through the late 19th century. Some of the songs still are loved today, such as, for instance, of Solomia. We don't know what De Lucia sounded like at the height of his career, and by about 1900, his top range was apparently beginning to go, and the later on in his career and post-career that he recorded, the less you hear any top notes, anything above, say, a G-sharp, which is pretty much the top of a baritone's range. What you do hear, though, is the real tradition of Neapolitan song singing. So I've decided to give you one of his recordings 
of one of the most famous of these Neapolitan songs, later a hit for Beniamino Gili, but this is his version of Torna Soriento. And as I say, you probably hear the real traditional way of singing these songs in the voice of Fernando de Lucia. This was actually recorded on a label, which was a local label, and a lot of these records disappeared. They were hidden underground, the metal parts, for years and years in a sort of bomb shelter, and only discovered relatively recently, only a few decades ago, and could then be pressed in vinyl instead of the original releases, which probably are pretty rare. So this is Fernando de Lucia singing in 1919, I believe, the famous song. Torna Soriento. Hey! 
Napoli, Naples was the last concert I had on my tour, but I'd been invited by some friends, one of whom is Celesta Caramana, a very fine singer of Brazilian popular music, although she is Sicilian herself. She and her, what should we call him, manager agent, invited me and have invited me for some time now to spend some days in a villa where they live. And so I was delighted to go down there. What they didn't tell me was that the town that they live near is called Augusta. I could have booked the train right through. Nor did I know until I got involved in it that the train that goes from Naples goes on the ship which goes to Sicily. So I finally booked the train as far as Messina and somebody who works at the villa picked me up in the car and now, I've been to Sicily before, and I felt really lucky still to be alive, having seen the way they drive there. I was hoping that they maybe had improved a little, but not really. We went down the motorway from Messina towards Augusta, and I couldn't help noticing that some of the speed limits were, say, 70 kilometers per hour, but people thought, oh, well, 100 kilometers an hour is near enough. I saw people driving, talking on their phones and doing all sorts of other really dangerous things. So things haven't really improved. However, I managed to get to Augusta and the villa, which is used as a wedding venue, safely and stayed there for three days. And I really needed to relax, although they did take me out to show me the architectural splendors of places like Syracuse, Catania and of course their local Augusta. Apart from that, I was overfed. My friends are very interested in food, and I probably put on weight, I don't know. Well, that was my stay in sunny Sicily, and it was over 20 degrees centigrade in November. So what can I choose to represent Sicily? It would be easy to choose the recordings of Giuseppe Di Stefano, but I've already played you two tenors, so a third one, even if he was Sicilian, is perhaps over the top. I've chosen instead a magnificent baritone called Gino Becchi, who wasn't Sicilian, but has made a wonderful recording, one of my favourites. It's a semi-comic song, and it's a Sicilian traditional folk song, wherein somebody is singing a love song to his late donkey that he obviously loved, and he tells us in the course of it how beautifully the donkey sang, and you'll hear that bit quite clearly. 
I don't need much excuse to play you a recording of Juno Becky. He had one of the most magnificent voices in opera as far as baritones are concerned. He was born in 1913 and survived till 1993. He made his debut in 1936, recorded quite often with Benjamin Ogili and other such luminaries of his day and sang particularly regularly in the Opera House in Rome from, I would say, 1938 until the early 50s. Juno Becky, this is a wonderful recording. I've heard this song sung by all sorts of people, and it doesn't sound anywhere near as good as when sung by this great baritone. So here it is. It's called Lu Schicciaredu. I hope I pronounced that properly. And it's basically... A love song to a donkey. The only other famous Sicilian song seems to be called the Sicilian cart driver's song. So donkeys and carts seem to have been the main inspiration for songs in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, Gino Becchi. <laughs> three days of rest down in Sicily, I had to undergo another two days of nightmare journeys. As I said before, I hadn't realised the train went on the ship, so I had an extra little 
train ride just across the water back to Italy where I'd booked a train from Villa San Giovanni, which is just about the most southern station in Italy, right up to Milan. This was a trip of about eight hours. The train was a Fleccia Rossa, which means Red Arrow, and it was a high-speed train. But nevertheless, after eight hours, during which I also had to put up with a three-year-old with a voice like a gimlet who never seemed to stop whining and calling out and crying and driving everybody mental... But that was a minor problem. The train arrived ten minutes late, which, after an eight-hour journey, is, I suppose, not too bad. However, as I mentioned previously, the person who'd organised my reserved seats had almost always put me at the wrong end of the train. I was at the back of the train, which was far away from the main concourse at Milan. We arrived late by ten minutes. The next train I had to catch was due to leave only 15 minutes after the arrival time of my train. Since it was 10 minutes late, this gave me less than 5 minutes to find where the train left from, which platform, and get on it. As I said, I've got a bit of health problems. I had the 25 kilo case and a guitar. I get to the front of the train, see which platform I had to get to, which was about 6, 7 platforms away. When I got there, it was one of those platforms where the train only begins about 50 yards down it. So again, how I got that train, I'll never know. I was absolutely heaving and breathing as if I were having a heart attack, but I managed to get the train and ended up in Turin, where happily a friend of mine had booked a hotel for me literally across the road from the station. The next morning, I was up early because this time I was really worried I had to get a bus. There was no train from Turin on the first leg to France, a place called Chambéry, and I was given wrong instructions as to the best way to get to where the bus was, which I was told was in the coach station, but in fact I found it in the end parked on the main road. Thank goodness I noticed the strange name of it, which was Blah Blah Car, weird name for a coach. I was worried they wouldn't let me on board with my guitar, but it actually had an overhead, so that was no problem. So the first section of this journey was fine. We went through the Alps, at least I assume it was the Alps, and we were now in France. It let us off about 200 yards from the station. Why it couldn't stop at the station, I don't know, but we had lots of time to change, so that wasn't a major problem. However, this train was a TGV, a train grand vitesse. In other words, it was one of those very fast but double-decker trains. And again, I'd been put at the wrong end of the train and on the upstairs part of it, which meant I had to haul a 25-kilo case up 10 steps. Having got there, thank goodness, somebody I know who was in Paris met me there to help me through the vagaries of the Paris metro system with this heavy case. Without him, I don't think I would have managed it because when we got to where the train for Agen or Agen was leaving, which was a different main station to the one at which I'd arrived, it was running late. Half of the station's population seemed to be waiting for the same train, and when it did arrive at a completely different platform to where we were waiting. Again, I was right at carriage 18, which was, as you can imagine, a long walk, and we only had a few minutes. Again, how I caught that train, I'll never know, but we did. 
So I finally ended up in Agen where a friend of mine, an old friend, picked me up and took me to the local village where she lives called Gondon. And again, I had two days of peace and quiet, I suppose, with her three cats and a lovely dog. And I really needed the rest again. So, two days of nightmare. What can I do to represent France? It's tempting to play an Edith Piaf record, but no. This time I'm going to play you a track by Charles Trenet. He was born like Gino Becchi in 1913. I can't say that he had one of the great voices of the century uh, at all. However, he was a very prolific songwriter. He wrote in his 88 years something like a thousand songs, of which we tend only to know a few outside of France. This is the most famous of them all. It was a hit for various people with English words. The original version is La Mer. So this is Charles Trenet singing his own song, La Mer. La Mer on va danser le long du golfe clair à des reflets d'argent la mer des reflets changeants la pluie la mer au ciel d'été confond ses blancs moutons Avec les anges si purs, la mer, bergère d'azur, infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez, ces oiseaux blancs. Et ces maisons rouillées, la mer les a bercées le long des golfes clairs et d'une chanson d'amour, la mer a bercé mon cœur pour la vie, la mer. Le long des golfes clairs, à des reflets d'argent, la mer, des reflets changeants, la pluie, la mer, au ciel d'été, confond ses blancs moutons. Avec les anges si purs, la mer, bergère d'azur, infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, des grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez, les oiseaux blancs et s'aimer. Ah, man. Ah, man. 
c'est mon cœur pour la vie. Well, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not my run-of-the-mill type podcast, and the range of music is perhaps not as wide as it normally would be. But I hope you'll have enjoyed the accounting of my mad and over-the-top tour of Europe by train, and of course enjoyed the tracks that I peppered my story with, which leaves me with my track. And I suddenly realised that just before I went away, I actually recorded one of Charles Trenet's songs. It's best known outside of France with a completely different lyric, and a very nice lyric actually, in English, but not a translation of the original words. And it was first made famous by Nat King Cole, under the title I Wish You Love. In French it begins Que reste-t-il de nos amours? And I sing it in English and French, so I hope you'll enjoy my version. Hopefully next month there'll be no mad trips across Europe and I'll be back to normal. Again, normally this month it would have included a couple of Christmas songs, which this time you've been spared. So, nevertheless, I wish you, as I always do, au revoir until the next time, which will be the 1st of January, by which time I will have begun and hopefully completed my dreaded income tax returns. Ciao for now. Goodbye No use leading without chins This is where our story ends Never lovers, always friends Goodbye Let our hearts call it a day But before you walk away I sincerely want to say I wish you bluebirds in the spring To give your heart a song to sing And then a kiss But more than this I wish you love And in July A lemonade To cool you in some leafy glade I wish you health But more than wealth I wish you love My breaking heart And I agree That you and I Could never be So with my best My very best I set you free 
I wish you shelter from the storm, a cozy fire to keep you warm. But most of all, when snowflakes fall, I wish you love. Que reste-t-il de nos amours? Que reste-t-il de ces beaux jours? Une photo, vieille photo de ma jeunesse. Que reste-t-il des billets doux? Des mois d'avril, des rendez-vous, un souvenir qui me poursuit sans cesse. Bonheur fané, cheveux au vent, baiser volé, rêve mouvant. Que reste-t-il de tout cela? Dites-le-moi. Un petit village, un vieux clocher, un paysage si bien caché, et dans un nuage le cher visage. De mon passé, I wish you shelter from the storm, a cozy fire to keep you warm. But most of all, when snowflakes fall, I wish you love.